of Hashem, we are learning Bavakama Daf Samachalif. We left off on Daf Samachalif, Amadalif, three lines from the top of the Amit. We are in middle of the Gemara's interpretation of a story that's recorded in Shmuel regarding Dovar Hamelech thirsting for water, understanding it that he had a question in Halacha. And the three mighty men that went to get water, they went to the Sanhedrin, risking their lives going through Polishtim territory. And they brought back the answer. And we had three opinions as to what that question was. The first opinion was, is that Dovar HaMelech wanted to know whether we pass like the Chachamim or like Rabbi Yehuda. Then he gave the question of Tamun Bo'esh. And as we learned, the Chachamim hold that the words Hakama come to exclude that one is exempt for something that's not standing Bigoli. Rabbi Yehuda holds that you're Chayef for Tamun Ba'esh. And being that a soldier is destroyed, um, property, they burned down Jewish stacks of grain that had in it certain utensils that were hidden. David HaMelech, who took responsibility for paying for the grain, wanted to know whether he's Chayef to pay also for the Tamun. The other opinion is that he wanted to know whether one is allowed you know what he would he would have preferred to burn down stacks of Jewish grain because Pelishtim used to hide in them and therefore he would uh, make his soldiers life safer whether you're allowed to do that or not and the third opinion is that he wanted to know whether he can take food right now that belonged to Yidin the owners were not there for him to get permission he was certain that he would be able to exchange it and give them back food that he was about to conquer from the Polishtim. That was even of greater value. But he didn't have Rishus. So the question was whether you can exchange food, take something and then return it without their permission. And the Gemara goes on three lines from the top. And now, the latter two opinions will give us a better understanding of what it says later, that David did not want to drink the waters. Amari said, As we learned yesterday, that regarding the latter two questions, the Sanhedrin responded that it's prohibited. That it's also lahatzel es atzmei b'mamin chaveri. Or you're not allowed to take something from someone else, even if you plan to give back something even better without their permission. And then the Sanhedrin said, That because you have some sort of royal privilege, you are allowed to do what normally you cannot. So the meaning of Dabar Hadmelech not wanting to drink the waters is that he didn't want to use his royal privilege. He says, if there's an Isid for all the Eden, I'm also not going to, whatever, burning down, you know, the, the stacks of the grain. I'm not going to take their grain to feed my soldiers, even though I'm certain I can exchange it with something even better. But if, according to the first interpretation, that his question was simply whether we paskin like Rabbi Hudr or like the Chachamim, and therefore, Michdi the Sanhedrin for sure answered David HaMelech what our Gemara is meaning what our tradition is. So what do, you, what do you mean he didn't want to drink it? Why would you not want to drink it? You know, we pass him like the Chachamim, do we pass him like Rabbi Huda? Either he was Chayef to pay, or he was Potter to pay. So my Eloyov, David Lishtoysom, answers the Gemara, look at this, that the meaning of David HaMelech's not drinking those waters, is not that he didn't follow that Psak Din. He did exactly what the Sanhedrin said. mishmayu. That David HaMelech never cited this ruling in the name of the three Gebayrim. Why? No, normally the rule is that you have to say, uh, you have to be Oymer Davar B'Shem Amri. But here he didn't want to say that he heard it in the name of the three Gebayrim that heard it from the Sanhedrin. He quoted directly the Sanhedrin because Amar Kach Mikublani I have such a tradition that Kol Lomos Al that whoever was willing to give up their lives for the words of Torah, you don't repeat a halacha in their name. And everyone has a hard time understanding what would that mean? Isn't that virtuous to be Moisad Atzmael Divrei Torah? No, don't we find in Yuma Daflamid Beis Hillel Hazakin, who went on the roof to hear Shmai Vavtalian and almost froze to death, etc., etc.? So the Chadush Harim interprets this in a positive way. That when a person is Moisad Atzma Yaldivre Torah, he becomes part of the Torah himself. And therefore, you don't have to quote it by his name. He is that Torah. 
So it was a positive thing. So that's the meaning. He didn't quote their names because they, they went to a higher level. And then it says, that poured out the water to Hashem. So again, according to the latter two opinions, the meaning of pouring out the water to Hashem, you'll consider Rashi in the uh, third line from the top, second line on the top of the Amr at the end, the Avad L'Shem Shemayim, Kivan the Iki Yisura Gabi Inish Ba'alma. Since other people, like we learned yesterday, are Asr, they only told him, Aval Ata Melech and he did not want to use royal privilege. That is called doing something L'Shem Shemayim. Not wanting to rely on a Heter. But El Laman Amr Taman Be'eish, what does it mean by Yasech Oysem L'Shem? He poured it out to Hashem. He followed the Psak Din. And he did the Psak din. Answers the Gemara again. The Amrinu Mishma the Gemara. In other words, what he poured out was, he poured out the names of the Gibraltar, as we just mentioned before. He didn't say the Davar B'Shem Oimrei, meaning those three people. What did he do? He quoted the Sanhedrin straight. So their names were forgotten, or in the Lamal Yusa, the t- they became part of the state. Quoting this din is Mamash quoting them themselves. Okay, back to the, to the mazik of fire. Here, again, we're speaking about a person who lit fire in their own premise, and the fire spread, for which... The trader gave, we read the, the Pasuk yesterday, that if it went out to your neighbor's property and it consumed all types of things, Yechayef to pay. So says our Mishnah, that Avra Gader, Shuhu that if a fire crossed a wall, a wall that is four Amas tall, a wall that the lighter of the fire relied on, that the wall should have contained the fire. So if the wall is four amas tall, and as many of the Rishonim say, not only four amas tall off the ground, but if a person lit a fire in his own property, let's say a person had a pile of wood, you have to make sure that from the top of the pile of wood to the top of the wall, you had four amas or more. Now being that Beruach Metsuya, and a lot more details in the Gemara, that wall normally would have contained the fire. So if it didn't, that's an oinus, and the lighter of the fire will be exempt. Or, or Rashi says, look in the Mishnah, that if there was a road that had a 16 amma of width that separated my fire from where eventually it did damage, and the lighter of the fire relied that a, 50, a 16 amas, and it doesn't dafka have to be a road. It means that 16 amas where there's nothing for the fire to grab onto. It's just empty land. Fire doesn't burn on land itself. And that should have contained the fire. Even if it didn't, or Nahar, or if there was a river, more details about the river, certainly not as wide as 16 amas. Again, in all of these cases, the fire unusually did go over these barriers and do damage, being that it normally would have been contained, says the Mishnah, Potter, the owner, is exempt. We'll, we'll call this an Aynas. Now, Frek Digamada, are you telling me that four Amas is tall enough? We learned in Abraisa that Avra Gadeir, that if it went over, if it crossed over a wall, that is Gavaya Arba Amas, says the Abraisa, you're still Chayef. Answers the Gemara, Amar Papa, Tana Didan, Kachashiv Milmailolamata. Our Tana is going from a tall wall, that a very tall wall for sure is a wall for which you are exempt, because it's going to contain the fire. And he begins telling you, as the Gemara says, Sheish Amas Pater. If it's six Amas, you're for sure Pater. Even if it's five Amas, you're Pater. Ad Arba Amas Pater. Until you count to four Amas, and here, we, we, our Mishnah understands Ad va'ad v'chlal. Until for Amas means that if it's for Amas, as long as it is not less than for Amas, you're good. However, Tanabara, the Tan of the Braisa, is milmata l'mayla. He's coming from the opposite direction. The Tan of the Braisa wants to tell you that a very short wall is not good. Which means, two Amas is not good enough. You're going to be chayiv. What do you do? You shouldn't have expected two Amas to protect the fire. Even three Amas is chayiv. Ad arba Amas. Chayiv. Now the Braisa understands ad v'loy ad b'chlal. So when the Braisa said for Amas, it meant if it was a drop less than for Amas, you're still Chayiv. So there's no stira. Arba Amas themselves, 
is potter. It's interesting that when you're going, going down is easier than going up. When you're going up, you know, two amas, three amas, anyways, there's no stira. Four amas is enough to contain a fire according to the time of this Mishnah. We're going to see in the next Mishnah other opinions regarding this din. Omar Rava says Rava, Dalad Amas, Sha'amru, the Pater, that even though our Mishnah says you're a Pater, if you thought that you can rely on a four Amas wall, Afilu, Bisday, Koitzim, and here Rashi understands, even if the fire traveled to a field that has thorns in it, meaning that thorns is something very combustible, it hops fire very easily. So if I relied on a four Amas wall, even though my neighboring field was filled with thorns, it's still going to be good enough. Because four Amas will prevent a normal fire from spreading over. And on that, Amar Papa, however, umisfas kreitzim ulamaylo daladamas. In other words, not only as we learned in the Mishnah, that the four Amas wall is not measured from the ground of the Mazik's property. It's measured from the top of the wood pile. Likewise, now that we're speaking about what's in the neighbor's property, and even if it's filled with thorns, four amas wool is a good enough of a divider, but that's only if you measure the four amas from the top of the thorns to the top of the wall, not from the ground of his property to the top of a wall. Because if the thorns are from the other side of the wall, less than four amas, a fire will pass over. And if it did so, you're not an oinus. Omar Rav says that I have another detail. Our Mishnah that a four Amas wall is enough. Only if it's a rising fire. But if it's a bent fire, even if you had a wall that's a hundred Amas tall, such a wall cannot contain a bent fire. So Rashi gives two explanations of a bent fire. We'll learn out the first one. We'll read it inside. Rashi Divri Hamaschal Avol Nechvefes begins in the beginning of a line. Shaharuach Mata Dadim. A bent fire means a fire that being that it's windy when you're lighting it, the fire from the outside is not standing up. The fire is already bending. Such a fire travels. And for a hundred Amma wall does not protect it. Really just to speak out that on Daf Samach Aleph Amad Beis we're going to learn the Tanar Shimon. And, and the way the Gemara ultimately understands it, Shimon, that normally we don't like to give nasata devarachalishiyurim. Normally we like to have, you know, rules. You know, for Amos is good, less than for Amos is bad. Rab Shimon says by a fire you cannot give a rule. Every fire is different, and every scenario is different. And, you know, what's the Ruach Matsui in this place? What's the Ruach Matsui in that place? So, going back to the Nechvefes, we're doing something difficult. If it's bent, it's always going to travel. If it's standing straight, that is where and only where the four Amor wall is going to be good enough. Shmuel Amar. Shmuel also understands that there's a difference between a bent fire and a straight fire. But he says it in a more lenient way. That Masnisin, that less than four Amos, you're going to be higher. But if there was a four Amos wall, you're good. If there was a road of 16 Amos, you're good. That's dafke by a fire that's already bent. Benechvefes. Avol bekeilachas, if the fire is standing straight. Shmuel holds, afilu kol if there was any type of barrier, you're exempt. Because a straight fire doesn't go to the sides. If there, if there is any type of barrier. Wow. Says the Gemara, There's a Braisa that understands, that substantiates Rav's opinion. And the Braisa is speaking about a path. It's not speaking about a wall. That you're not, a path has to have 16 amas of width. Like we said, it doesn't have to be a road dafka. An empty land. There's nothing on it that fire can, can go on. 16 Amas is going to contain a fire. Abamed Varam Amurim says the Braisa. Only if the fire is a Kailachas, if it's a standing fire. Avol Benechvefes. But if the fire is a bent fire, and we're going to go with the version that understands Ve'etzim means Oy Eitzim, or if there was wood or shrubs, so then Mitsuyama, Afilomeya Amo, Afilomeya Mil. Even if there's a hundred mil separation between from where you lit the fire to ultimately where the fire did damage, then the lighter of the fire is chayev, and he cannot say, I'm an oinus, I didn't know the fire was going to get there. So here clearly you see that a fire that's nechvefes, there's no barrier that can stop it. Continues the b'raisa, avra nahar, if the fire went over a river, or if the fire went over a shilulis, we'll see later on this amid what the meaning of shilulis is, it's something connected to a gathering of water, there, even if the only wide eight amas, 
a road is 16 amas. If you have a river, even if it's only 8 amas wide, here again, potter. And we're going to learn Pshat in the Braisa that here, even if the fire is bent, even though this Braisa, like Rav says, a bent fire, no wall can be a barrier, no dry derech can be a barrier, but water will be a barrier. Eight amas or the shalulis, fire cannot pass, and therefore if it did pass and it did damage, the lighter can claim, I, I expected it to be contained. What happened was a oinus and he's takapater. Going back to the Mishnah, derech harabim. Derech harabim man tano, who is the author of our Mishnah? Amarava, Rabbi Eliezer he. Tetnan. Or we have on the side, the Maharshal says it's a b'raisa, the Tanya, that Rabbi Yezer Oimer, Sheish Esrei Amois Kederech Rishus He's the one that says that if you have land, and again, land that has no shrubs on it, it's like a road, or a road. A road is just earth. There, your potter. Oi, Nahar, that Nahar is a separation. Says the Gemara, Rav says, Nahar means Nahar Mamish. It has to be a river filled with water. However, Shmuel Amar, it doesn't have to be a river. Ariso didalohi. We just had this Andafnun on the base. Remember that story? That Anax fell into Ariso didalohi. And Ariso didalohi, Rashi says, has an Amma by an Amos, only six Tvachim. And the ox died. That Nachman says the animal is treif. That was the whole sugya. Can a, can a ditch? You know, if it treif means it's going to die, I need ten Tvachim. That was the Ariso didalohi. So Ariso didalohi means that even if it's only one Amma by one Amma, even that, you know, it's not a real nahar. That is also a barrier for fire. Says the Gemara, The one that says that nahar means nahar mamish, it's a chumrah, but that has a kula. Because if you have a nahar mamish, especially if we go by the b'raisa that we just had, that a nahar mamish has a width of eight amis, even though it doesn't currently have water, simply by the fact that there is a certain depth to it. You know, there's the bed of the nod, and that it's moist, that's going to stop the fire. However, according to Shmuel, who holds that the nahar can even mean a arisa de daloi, a irrigation ditch, which is only an ama deep by an ama wide. Ah, it's a chumr. He's, he's saying a leniency. Even that is good enough. But on the other hand, that will only be good enough as a, of a barrier if it's taka filled with water. He is beimaya in. He lays beimaya, even though it's moist, even though it, it is six tefachim deep. It is, a, you know, an Amadit. Nevertheless, why it will not be good enough of a barrier. Tanan Hasim, we learned. And we're making a certain type of um, comparison. Big Machlekes, the Shainim, whether we mamish compare it or not, to another whole din. There's a din in Peyah, quoting a Mishnah in Peyah. From every field, we have to leave an edge for the poor. Now, if a person owns many fields, he cannot say that I'm going to live leave at the edge of one of my fields the quantity of payah for all of them. Even if the quantity will be the same. Every single field needs to have its own payah. And we learned, we learned this, I think it was in Adarim or Nazir, right, Midrabanan, it's Echad Mishishim, whatever the shir is. But the point is, is that you have to leave payah for every field separately. The question is, how do you define each field separately? Especially if a person owns land that are connected one to the other, what will separate one from the other? So we learned in the Mishnah, the Elu Mafsikim The following natural barriers will be considered separators between fields, making each one a separate one, which will have to have its own Peya. Hanachal, a ravine or a river. And by the way, in many ravines in the bottom, there is a river because water gathers there. Vahashilulis, again, the word Shilulis that we'll have to explain in the bottom of the Amit. Or even a derechayach on a private road, it's not about private or public, but again, a public road, especially Rashi, that's the whole thing also in Hilcha Shabbos for Edovin is 16 amas wide. Derechayach means a narrow road, and for sure derecharabim. If there's a road in between a field, it halachically separates the fields. Okay, my shilulis, what's the meaning of shilulis? Shoilalim means collect. A place where waters collect because there are some sort of cavities in the ground and waters collect there. Which is really not something very deep. Any cavity in the ground, we know, you know, look, when it rains, there's puddles. What's that, a puddle? There's a little cavity in the ground, so water gathered there. No, 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 a, a, a little 
cavity in the ground is not enough. What is something that's considered a separator of fields? Amas hamayim, a channel of water. Shemechalekes, shalol, why is it called shilulis? Because shalol here means bounty. Hashem made a nature that whenever water, you know, the banks of rivers, because it's so moist, you have tremendous amount of produce growing there. You know, you people plant trees and it gives off good fruits because there's water there. So shemechalekes, shalol, la'agapeha. Agapeha means wings. Wings means banks. An area that, you know, gives good bounty on its banks. If that's considered a separator, certainly a channel of water is considered something that's mafsik and makes each side a separate field. However, but he will hold that just a cavity in the ground doesn't separate two fields because Dahanu turning to Dafsamachala from its base, Bugne, the Aramikro, they're only called bowls of the land. They are part of the land, they're not separators. And many of the Shainim now connected to our dinim. Then the Braisa said that a Nahar, if I lit a fire here and there was a river, I can rely on the Nahar. And the Braisa adds Shilulis. So Shilulis will only make sense if it means a channel of water. But if you only have little uh, cavities of water, and I lit a fire here, I should not have expected it to be contained by the cavities of water. So this din and peya is more leaning or showing that shilulis means, you know, the channel of water, the interpretation is a larger body of water. Going on to the next mission. Says the Mishnah, If a person lit fire again in his own property, this is a continuation from the last Mishnah, up to what distance can the fire pass on empty land? And again, Rashi holds that our Mishnah is speaking about, like we learned on Ahmed Aleph, a fire that is koilachas, a straight fire. Because if the fire is bent from the outset, going with the first taich of Rashi, that it's windy, so the fire is bending, then no amount of dry land is going to be considered the barrier. If it goes 100 mil and it burns, you're chayif. But it's straight fire, according to Rashi. So continuing from the last Mishnah, says our Tana, Rabbi Elazar ben Azariah Oimer, Royin Oisai ki ilohu be'emtsa beis koir. Yeah, you have to make believe, if you own a beis koir, a beis koir has 274 amas of width, that you are standing in the middle of your beis koir, which means for the fire to reach your neighbor, what's half of 274? 137. So only if there's 137 amas, and we're speaking about of land that doesn't have shrubs on it, because if there's shrubs on it, then of course the fire is going to travel. It's just empty land. Only then can you, the lighter, say, Ooh, I never knew it's going to go there. And that should have contained it. That's a, that's a big chumrah. But if it's less than that distance, you're going to be chayiv. That's minakotze lakotze. Now, now Rabbi Eliezer, I made, and really we... Much more huge. Chumur. Much more chamur. No, he's much more machmed, that if you don't have 137 amas, you'll be chayiv. You, the lighter, will be chayiv. You, you need to rely, you, only 137 amas. Yeah, no, Yezer says, like we learned in the previous Mishnah, tezayin amas. Even with the straight, that's what Rashi learns. Wow. That Rabeliezer, I tezayin amas, kederech reshus aramin. No. And that's, that's, that's going to be the time of the previous Mishnah. 16 amas, wow, from 137, imagine, to 16. 137 amas is around, we go like a foot and a half, it's a 205 feet, uh, versus 24 feet, derech l'shus arabim, tezayin amas, and Abi Akiva holds something, you know, closer to Rabbi Eliezer, he says 50 amas, it's very hard, you see, it's, it's almost like a machlekes and metzias, it's unusual this, and also the differences are very big, it's an unusual machlekes, it's not abshimen, and we're going to interpret abshimen, like Rashi says, the way we, in the Havamina understanding, Later we're going to change the meaning. Since the Pasuk concludes, Shalem Yeshalem, Hamavir Sabeira, that certainly, surely you should pay the one who lit the fire. Certainly you should pay means, Again, the Havamina is, you always have to pay. You lit a fire, fire is fire. Fire travels and you should have known it. Nothing will contain it. And if it burned, you will always be chayef. That's the way we understand now Rab Shimon. To which the Gemara challenges, Does Rab Shimon hold that there isn't a shir 
on which we can finally say, wow, I left that year, the fire normally would not have spread, and I'm an oinus. He doesn't hold of that. I'm recording a Mishnah in Baba Basra. Now there, we're speaking about two neighbors, but they're neighbors in what we will call an apartment building, in a condominium. And here we're speaking both about an oven and about a stovetop, Bismanehem. Today everything changed. But then, you know, an oven had so much heat in it, so says the Mishnah, A person is not allowed to put an oven inside his house. Only if from the top of the oven till the ceiling you have at least four amas. When you have four amas, then you can say that the heat of the oven will not burn the ceiling. Now obviously, if there's no one living on top, you can do whatever you want. We're speaking about a case where there's some other family that lives on the aliyah. They live on the roof. They live on the second story. So there is a shit. Now, what happens? What happens if you live on the second story? There, the fear, you can even argue, is that it's going to burn the roof and it's going to burn the whole house down. But there, there's another fear. It's going to burn the ground. So says the Mishnah, that the plaster that was put on the earth, today it's a whole different world, should have at least three tvachim of depth. That type of plaster can certainly contain the heat, and you can say that normally it's not going to burn down. That is by an oven. Ubekira, by a stove, a stovetop, one tefach is enough. Again, we're speaking about one tefach of plaster beneath it. However, says the Mishnah, if a person kept those shiurim, and nevertheless the fire burnt, ve'im hezik, neshalam asha hezik. There's the code, the Jewish code, that you, you have to have that for safety. But even if you kept the code and still damage happened, the Tanakama says you can't claim, well, I did what I was told, so I'm off the hook. Tanakama says you're not off the hook. You're fire, you're chayif. The Apshimin is the one that says, <laughs> Why did the Chachamim make such a code? To tell you that normally fire will not catch. If you left the four Amas, if you left the three Tfachim or the one Tfach, it should not burn. And therefore, if you left it and it burned, you're an oinus and you're potted. So clearly we see that even when it comes to fire, the concept of if I left the normal amount of area that should prevent a fire from spreading, then I'm going to be exempt. So why would he say otherwise here? Now we're going to interpret the words of Rav Shimon differently. Rav Shimon in the Mishnah that says, that hakoy lefi hadleka didn't mean you're always chayef. Pasha touch the words. Hakoy lefi hadleka means it's, rel- it's relative to the fire. Not that you're always off the hook. Even by a kailachas. You know, there's a kailachas, a fire that goes straight, that is, you know, one foot up, and you can build as a lagbo emer kailachas that is a hundred feet up. So Rab Shimon, and, 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 and there's different types of winds. There's moist wind and there's, and there's dry wind. And there's many, many other factors that affect the normalcy of how far should a fire travel. And again, even though normally the Chachamim give shiurim, and, and, and they don't like saying, well, every case is a case by case, they normally don't do it. Rab Shimon is saying that by fire you have to do it. You can't give a standard shiur. It depends on the height of the fire. And all the Rishonim say, he doesn't only mean the height. Yeah, like I mentioned, it's the height, it's what, what's, what's fueling the fire, you know, the moisture of the air, and who knows what else, other, other factors. In this case, Okay, going on to the next Mishnah. This Rab Shimon, the way the Gemara understands him. That he disagrees with all the previous Tanaim. You can't say if there was a wall of four Amas. Even though the Gemara already limited that. It's a wall of four Amas, only by Kalachas, not by Merech Befes. You, know, you, you see, it's not so simple. Rab Shimon, no, Rab Shimon says, no, no, he didn't say you're always responsible. It's a case-to-case basis. No, no, no. If, when you lit the fire, under normal, the normal circumstances, like we have in the Baba Basra, if, if under normal circumstances the fire should not have spread, and still it did, you'll be Patir. But the Chachamim cannot say, well, if, if there's four Amas, or if there's, you know, a Nahar, you can't say any of that. You have to see that case. What was that scenario? Which makes it harder. You know, you don't, you don't even begin with the... 
No, ultimately that it traveled, we can say there's something called an oinus, there's something unusual. The one who lit the fire can claim it was an oinus. When I lit the fire, I knew I'm a maven, and I knew that under normal circumstances, my fire would not have gotten to your field. Now it did. Ruach or something unusual happened. There is such a concept, but it's a case-to-case basis to evaluate it. Now, clearly the Mishnah on top of the Amid, right, the first Mishnah began with the words, Hamadlik b'toich shaloi. Someone lit the fire in his own field, and then it went to the neighboring field. Whether this Mishnah is speaking about you lighting the fire in your own field, or someone lighting the fire directly on the other, not only will the Gemara address it, but before we get to the Gemara, quickly to review, the Machlekes, this will be re- relevant for now, and also for Daf Samach Beis. We had a Machlekes on Daf Chav Beis between Rabbi Yechanan and Eshlakish. Regarding the Mazik of fire, Ishoi, Mishum, Chitzav, Rabbi Yechanan says that I light a fire, the fire is considered an extension of me, it's considered my koyach or my arrow, and it's almost in the category of Adam Hamazik. I was the one that did Nezik. We have a shlakish that would hold that Ishoi Mishumamainai. It's not because it's my arrow, since it's like my property, and therefore, like by my ox, I have a responsibility to guard it. And if I don't, and it's Mazik, I'm chayif to pay, likewise by fire. That will be negated to the following Mishnahis, including this Mishnah, as I'll speak out, and it's going to affect, aside of what we're learning in the Gemara, whether this Mishnah is speaking about lighting a fire in your own property, or whether this Mishnah is speaking about lighting a fire directly in, in, in the Nizak's property. If a person burns someone else's stack of grain down, and and hidden in the stack were utensils, and Vidolku and the Kalem also got burned... And again, going back to the Machlech, as we had on the Samach that we learned inside between the Chachamim and Rabbi Yehuda, when the Torah says the words, Oy Hakama, the Torah speaks about Gaddish. Gaddish means that when you have grain that was harvested, it was cut, and you, and you stacked it, you piled it in the field. A Gaddish. Kama is grain that's still connected to the ground, but it's standing. So if it burned down, comma, standing rain. So there the Chachamim said, Ah, why did the trader, after saying Gaddish, say comma? You know comma. To teach you only Masha Begolui. You only hide if it burns something that, that you see. In other words, that excludes Tamun Ba'esh. That's Shita's Chachamim. Rabbi Yehuda says that Tamun comes to teach you Kol, Akoima uh, means Kol Dvar, Kol Balei Koima. Anything that's standing, even animals. But it does not exclude Tamun Ba'esh. That is the Machloikas Tanoim. So says over here, Rabbi Yehuda says, being that Rabbi Yehuda holds that you're chayiv to pay even for Tamun, you got to pay for the Kalim also. Chachamim who hold that by Eish, you only have to pay for that which was exposed, that which was begoloi, you only have to pay for that which was exposed. Now one second, just to add something that we're going to learn at the bottom of the summit. If you have a pile, and it was, in it, there was a large keli. According to the Chachamim, you do not pay for the keli. But, but, however, it's not that how much grain, there was grain, let's say, there was grain worth, if the grain would have been packed with, if the pile would have been packed with grain, let's say it would have weighed 10 pounds and it would have cost $10. Really, it was, it was half filled with a keli. So it was only 5 pounds of grain. The Chachamim are not saying that you only have to pay $5. The keli was worth $100. You don't pay for the keli. But you make believe as if in the place of the keli there was the same type of grain, chitim or sa'idim. So you'll pay $10. You're not going to pay $105. You pay as if the stack is packed with chitim or sa'idim, and that's what you pay for. Okay, at Khan we know. And at Khan again, this doesn't make a difference, at least not yet. The Gemara will still go into details whether you lit a fire in your field or whether you lit a fire in the other person's field. However, now we'll go on. We had this done a few times before in the Masechta. Now if, aside of having a stack of grain, there was a gedid, there was a goat, a young goat that was bound to the stack of grain, and here we're going to go with Rashi Shita, that here it being bound or not is lav dafke. 
We don't expect an animal, according to Rashi, to run away. However, the Evet Samachloi, there was also an Evet there. Ah. And the Nisravimai, not only did the stack of grain get burnt, but the animal, the goat, got burnt. And God forbid, the human being, the Evet, got burnt. Here, says the Mishnah, Chayiv, not only are you Chayiv for the stack of grain, you're Chayiv for the goat, and you're Chayiv for the stack of grain. However, let's read inside Rashi. Chayev for what? You see Rashi in the Mishnah. Go up a little bit. Al Gedi. Not only are you chayev for a stack of grain, you're chayev for the Gedi. Why are you chayev for the Gedi? Because the Balachayim Nama Yisrabu Mi Oy HaKama. If you remember that. According to Rabbi Yehuda, the word Kama is Lachatchila. L'Rabba is called Balachayim. Even the Chachamim who use Kama, Kama to exclude Tamun, but they learned Oy L'Rabba is even animals. Now, the Evid got killed. Why would that make a difference? So let's chaz it. If I, God forbid, if someone takes another human being's life, and we're going to go with the opinion of Tana Devei Chizkiah, even if it was done b'shoigig or b'ayinus, or there was no hasra'ah, meaning that the murderer will not be killed in Bezdin. According to Tana Devei Chizkiah, since it's an act of murder, in which in certain cases the murderer will be chayv misas Bezdin, so we always apply the din of come lay me the rabbinay yechayev misa. You not you don't have to pay the lesser penalty of, of payment. So says the, explains Rashi the chiddush of the Mishnah umishum the come lay me the rabbinay lekol miftarei. You're not off the hook because of come lay because the ain't chayev misa ala eved because the one who lit the fire is not chayev misa for killing an eved. Why? Because the hoyel the ain't kafus because he was not bound since the eved was not bound. And we're not, God forbid, saying the mazik is off the hook. But there is a responsibility on a nizak. Don't allow yourself to get damaged. A fire is coming your way. You're not tied. Run away. And therefore, And therefore, he's exempt not only of, God forbid, Misa for killing someone else. But you know, by an Evid, if, you, if my ox kills someone else's Evid, the bowel of the ox has to pay to the bowel of the Evid. Shloishim shkalim. Even shloishim shkalim you don't have to pay. Umi tashlumen. Because the Evid should have run away. That's what the Mishnah means by Chayev. However, let's read inside Rashi. And then we'll read it inside the Mishnah. However, the Mishnah later will contrast this. If the Evid was bound, the Evid could not have run away. Ah, here, Chayev for killing a person. So since, and again, according to Tana de Vechizkiah, even if you actually will not get killed, there was no hasra'a, or any scenario, since you're high of Misa, patr afilu al al-hagadish, you're going to be patr from all other payments. You're not going to have to pay for the goat, you're not going to have to pay for the pile of grain, because the high of Misa al-ha'evid, because you're high of Misa al-ha'evid, let's read it inside the Mishnah, evid kafus layb, if the evid was bound, and the Gedi was nearby, again, by the Gedi, we don't care whether it was bound or not, and Venis Ravimai. So again, Pater, the way Rashi says, you're Pater for everything. You're not Chayv anything for the Evet, not Misa, not Tashlumen. The Evet should have, I'm sorry, Evet, if the Evet was bound, since you're Chayv Misa for killing a person, so you're going to be exempt from paying for the Gedi and paying for the Gaddish. Now, no, so that's what we're saying, that, that according to Tana Devei Chizkiah, the concept of is wherever murder happened, even if in this case you'll be off the hook because you didn't know. There's a shaygig or there's an oinus. Since it's an act of murder, for which sometimes there's a chiyav misas based, then we always say Now here's where we have to review. Ah, this goes back into the machlekes, Rabbi Yechonon and Eshlakish. When is there chiyav misa for killing another person? If the Adam is the murderer, the moment it's the person's mind that does murder, that's the holding of an Evid. If my ox, God forbid, kills someone else's Evid, I'm never high of Misa. It's only the mind that took a life. If I dig a bite on someone, you know, by, by Adam, you take a completely exempt. But on all of the, the Nizakin, killing through my mammon is never a Chiyav Misa's Bezdin. So we had this before in the Gemara. So Bish, let me the Gemara ask, Rabbi Yechanan, since Rabbi Yechanan understands that Ishoi Mishum Chitzav, yeah, my fire is my arrow. If a person shoots an arrow and kills another person, you shoot a gun, 
You're the, the person is the murderer. The gun doesn't kill. The person kills. But according to the Shlakish, that was the whole problem we had before. Why is there a Kamalibi that Abaminei? If Isha is only Mishum Memainai, there's no Chiyav Misas Beisdin. For that, the Gemara answered before, it must be that according to the Shlakish, you, you know where the Mishnah says, Evet Kafus your Pater? If the person lit the Evet on fire. Why am I saying this? Because according to that, at least this stanza is not speaking about Hamadlik as Haggadish the way we had in the previous Mishnayas, that I lit fire in my domain and then it went to the neighbor. Because if, according to Neshlakish, if I would have lit a fire in my domain and it would have gone to the neighbor and the Evid was Takakafus and the Evid got killed, there is no Kamalim Bidar My Mamlin killed an Evid. So this part of the mission, according to the Shlakish, has to be that I take a lit the Evid himself. I went there, directly. So it's not no longer in my own property. Now this will play into, we don't have to speak it out again, but the Gemara is also going to address whether our Mishnah is speaking about you lit it in your own property, you lit it in the neighbor's property. Just bear that in mind that this liner will depend whether it's in your property or whether it needs to be like Rish Dafkan the Eved directly. Now, go back to this concept. So we just learned in our Mishnah, we reiterated Shittas Chachamim, that Tamun Boesh is Pater. Here says the Mishnah that the Chachamim have an exception. That if a person again burns down someone else's stack of grain, I'm sorry, if you burn down someone else's tower, you burn down someone else's palace, you burn down someone else's house, how do we view the furniture in the house? Do we say, you burn down a house, you only pay for the house, but for all the furniture you're exempt. Says the, says the Mishnah Nisht, that if you burn down someone else's bira, even the Chachamim say, that you have to pay for everything that was in it. Why? Because people leave things in the homes. Now really, this will be expounded in the Gemara beautifully, one second, in a stack of grain, yeah, if I put my purse, that's the mushal the Gemara gives, in a stack of grain, that's unusual. But having threshing tools in a stack of grain is also normal. So what will be Shittas HaChalam over there? Is the criterion usual or unusual? And to that we have to go into the Gemara. So Amar Afkahana, so Afkahana clarifies that Machloikes b'madlik mitoich shaloi v'holcho v'olcho mitoich shal chaveroi that the machloik is between the Chachamim and Rabbi Yehuda, whether Tomun Ba'esh is Chayev or not, is only when you lit a fire in your own property. That over there, the Rabbi Yehuda Machayev on this case, Tomun Ba'esh. Because, like we mentioned, Rabbi Yehuda interprets the word that Koima, Koma, means Kol Bali Koima, Chayev for animals also. He doesn't use Koima to interpret it Begaloi. He doesn't use it to exclude Tamun. And the Rabbanan understand the words Kama, you're only high for that which is exposed. And not for that which is hidden. Patri. But that's only if you lit a fire in your property. But if you lit a fire in your neighbor's property, there, you are always high to pay for the damages. Why? Says Rashi. You look inside the first Rashi in the Gemara. It's one line lower than the Gemara. Now, no one is saying that you had the shus to light a fire in your property that's going to go to your neighbor. But here, Rashi says, It's not about the distance. It's about your property or the neighbor. If you lit out in fire right away in your neighbor's property, according to Rafkahana's understanding, you're always high of even for Tamun. In other words, when the Mishnah gives an example, you burn someone else's house down, that you're high to pay, even according to Rafkahana, he's saying, that it, it's not because a house has furniture in it. If you lit it, you're always chayv on everything. And that's going to be challenged. So, so Rava says, if it's so simple, that, again, whenever you light it, you're always chayv, no matter what, in the tamun, for the tamun, instead of the Mishnah writing in the Sefer, that that if you light, it burns someone else's uh, palace down, someone else's tower down, and on that, the Mishnah, why didn't the Mishnah make a contrast, not by going to another case. It's always better 
to point out a din and its contrast by sticking to the same case. You're beginning with a pile of grain, continue with a pile of grain. The Mishnah could have said, according to Nafkahana, that the Chachamim hold, that you're puttered by Taman Ba'esh, the Madlik B'teik Shaloi, when you lit the fire in your property, and and you didn't have the barrier, whatever the barrier has to be. So you're talking going to be Chayiv. So the Chachamim say, you're Chayiv? For the Hakama. You're not Chayiv for Taman. Abel, the Mishnah should have said, that if you lit the fire already in the, in the neighbor's property, and would mean not only furniture in the house, anything, even something that's usually not there. And it's, again, it's always better to give a contrast in the same case. So Rav changes Rav Kahana, and he says, there's really two separate arguments. They argue in the case when you lit a fire in your own property, and it traveled, and it burnt your neighbor's stuff down, as we learned until now, that Rav Yehuda, there's no exemption for Taman. Whatever you burn down, you've got to pay for it. And Rabbani Savri, because of the words Hakama, Lemechayev, Bachlaikis number one. Now, even Rava holds that there is a difference between whether you lit it in your field, whether you lit it in your neighbor's field. However, he doesn't make it so across the board the way Rafkahana does. There is a Machlaikis, there is a difference between lighting it in your field and in your friend's field. However, when you light it in your friend's field, the Rabbi Yehuda holds, Mishalom Komashabutaychai. You have to pay whatever, whatever, whatever got burned. And even an arniki, an arniki means a purse or a wallet, which is something that's usually not put in a pile of grain. And the truth is, according to Rabbi Yehuda, not only are you hired for an arniki, if you lit a fire, according to Rabbi Yehuda, even if you lit a fire in your own field, you're always hired for what the fire damaged. But Rabbanon, we're using the words arniki for the Rabbanon. The Rabbanon holds... That if you lit the fire in your neighbor's property, and as Rashi says, you are not only negligent, you're worse, you're, you're a destructive person. And it burned down his pile and whatever was in it. The Chachamim hold, that utensils that are normally left inside a pile, threshing tools, clay bucket, cattle gear, that, who do, you'll pay. You'll pay for that. In other words, you're, you're higher for Taman, but not for all Tamans. It depends what the Taman is. But but utensils that are normally not left in a pile, which would be the Arniki, a purse, which is exactly why the Mishnah gives an example of furniture in a house. In other words, according to the way we are learning over here, that if a person lit a fire in his property and it burned the neighbor's house down, you're not going to pay for anything that's tamun, because you lit it in your property. If you lit it in your neighbor's property, then you're only have to pay for things that are usually left in a house. And that's the mushal that the Mishnah gives for kalim shabatrecha, for furniture. And Anachanami applied this to a, to a pile, that if I lit a fire in the neighbor's property, which is much worse than just being negligent here, I'm a ma'abed biyadayim, I'm chayv to pay for anything that is normally kept in the pile, even though it was hidden, even according to the Chachamim. And now let's go on. We learned in Abraisa, if a person lit a pile of grain, a stack of grain, and there were utensils in it, and vidolko, they got burnt, they got destroyed. Rabbi Yehuda Oimer, Mishalim Kol as we learned, according to Rabbi Yehuda, there is no exemption of Taman Baish. Gotta pay for whatever got burnt. Now we're gonna see later, how do you know what got burnt? How do you know what got burnt? Because the Nizak is saying so. Do we believe the Nizak? We'll get to that on the Samach base. If the Nizak says, I had in here a million dollars, do you believe him? Bukhuli. The Chachamim say, Eina Mishalim, Ela Godish al Chitim, or Godish al Soirim. The Chachamim here say that you don't pay for Taman Baish. However, here the Braisa expands what we spoke out in the Mishnah, that if you had a pile, that if the pile would have been full, it would have been 10 pounds. Say it's a dollar a pound of chitin. And you would have paid for $10. You want mazik $10. The, the pile now had in it uh, a keli. According to the keli took up the place of 5 pounds. The Chachamim say you don't pay for the keli. De facto, you only burnt down 5 pounds of chitin. But even the Chachamim, you don't only get away by paying for, ten, for five pounds of chitim. That v'rayin makim keilim ki'iluhum alay You take out the keili, 
because you don't pay for it, but you make believe as if it was filled with whatever it was, begoloi, in our case wheat. So now if that would have been filled, there would have been 10 pounds of wheat, and you got to pay $10. Turn it to doesn't make a difference. Very good. It's nothing to do very good. If the, if the grain is worth worse than the keli, you pay for more. It can be a chumrah. Absolutely. When the fire that you lit, you lit in your own property and you were talking negligent, there wasn't a barrier that could have prevented it from passing. But you lit it at least in your own property. You were not a ma'abed, the yodayim, kilnashanashi. And then, so then, the chachamim, you're potter for tamen beish. But if you lit it directly in your neighbor's property, here, whether you have the gears or not, you pay for everything that was in there. Now, hold on. According to Rav Kahana, these words are fantastic. If you lit it in your neighbor's property, you pay for everything, whether it's common for that to be there or not. But we just had Rava. Rava said that even though the Chachamim differentiate as to where did you light the fire, and the Chachamim are more Mahmed if you lit it, but even there you only pay for things that are usual. So Rashi adds, look inside the top Rashi, Divrei Hakoil. So Rashi says, Rava metalitz all the time. Rava will interpret the Brayse according to his own, uh, opinion that what does the Brayse mean? You pay Masha betoichay bekelim shedar kom lahatnun the Godish. Here you have to, you know, you have to really qualify the Brayse. And let's chaparain one more line in the Brayse. Umoidim Rabbi Yehuda lechachamim that bemashil makim lechaveri lahagdish Godish. If a person lent space in his own field for his fellow to stack a, a stack, a pile of grain. And not only did I give you permission to put your grain, to store your grain in my property, but let's say that I said explicitly, and I'll watch it. I'm a shoimer. But I only lent you space for you to stack grain. Now, the borrower... He stacked grain and he hit something else in it. And I lit a fire. Or I didn't protect his stack with the fire. And the fire burnt down his grain. And I took upon myself to be a guardian. And I'm now going to be responsible to pay for whatever I said I'm going to guard. But being that I only gave him permission to stack grain, even Rabbi Yehuda will be moider, I'll be potter for paying for the keli, she'ein m'shalom bilvad, and not for that which was hidden, because here I only gave him rishos to stack grain. Ah, and on that I know we're stopping mamash middle of the brisa, but Amir Tzashem to be continued in this brisa other exceptions where even Rabbi Yehuda will say that you'll be potter for tamun boesh.